0: hey everyone welcome to pills and needles the podcast about mental health and tattoos i know you think these two things don't really go together but they do for a lot of people including me I'm Pam. I am podcasting from Manila, where I live as a writer and a newspaper editor, and where I'm a full-time slave to a dog that's part monster. But don't tell him I said that. In this episode, I am going to be all alone. My voice is the only one you'll hear. But in the future episodes, I intend to have guests, and I would also love to share your stories. So if you have anything that you want to tell me about maybe tattoo tales or your own journey, your own mental health journey or absolutely anything you want to tell me about, just send an email to pillsandneedlespodcast at gmail.com and I would love to hear from you. I'm going to start by sharing my own journey and how tattoos and mental health became intertwined in my life. Before this, tattoos and mental health were things I didn't really think about. They were topics that were a little distant to me you know I just knew of them because of other people in my life and they were things that I didn't think were going to become a part of mine certainly not a big part of mine I was so wrong so let's go back to November 2015 it was a great week I had spent a really fun few days in LA I had some great adventures. I was mostly alone, but that's something that doesn't bother me. I like traveling alone. It's a weird thing. I enjoy eating alone, going to movies alone. I'm not the kind of person who has to have someone with them and who finds shame in going to a restaurant and eating alone. It's so much fun. Like, I love my own company. Um, and so that week, I had so much fun. I watched the taping of Two Broke Girls. I love Kat Denning, so that was such a thrill i accidentally somehow ended up at the premiere of mockingjay like i was actually there watching and the director called all the stars onto the stage so i saw jennifer lawrence and and um josh hutch hutcherson and everyone it was just such a thrill And then I went to Rain Wilson's book signing. I just did a lot of fun things that week. And the last thing that I was going to do before going home was talk Conan O'Brien. Because I've had a huge crush on him. He is so freaking sexy. Don't ask me to explain, but he really is. And so I wanted to see him. Just see him anyhow. I just wanted to see him. I needed to see him. But I couldn't get tickets to his show. Then I found out that he was going to be at the Grammy Museum for a talk. I am ashamed to admit that I don't even remember the name of the... That's my dog snoring, by the way. I am ashamed to admit that I don't even remember the guy he interviewed. This is terrible. But he interviewed a guy from the music industry who had written a book about a guy who discovered elvis i should have googled this before i started this but anyway my point is i was there to see conan and his gorgeous hair and that's exactly what i did i watched him and stared at him and marveled at his sexiness and watched him play with his hair and also freaked out over the fact that sona his assistant was sitting right in front of me and it was such a thrill Um, So the show ended and Conan made a quick exit. I snapped a quick photo of him leaving. And then I made my own exit. And the security guard said a very nice goodbye to me. Something like, have a great night. And I said a very cheerful goodbye. I think I said, you too. Cheerfully. And then I walked out. The minute I stepped out of the Grammy Museum, everything changed. I don't know how to explain it. People usually don't believe me when I tell them this, that in, it was really in a snap. I went from being fine, giddy overseeing Conan to just, what the hell is this? It was such a weird moment. And I've compared the feeling to just this complete emptiness. Like, I felt so hollow. Like I was a jack-o'-lantern and someone had scraped up my insides and just left a shell of me. That's how it felt. And I didn't know what was happening. I thought, uh, why am I feeling weird? I think I need to walk this off. And so I started walking. And I had walked several blocks and I was not feeling any better. And I thought, mm, maybe I need to grab a drink or something. I'm not really a drinker. like I mostly drink with people a social drinker I guess like I'm not the type who would have a beer at home or wine at home like I have a bottle of wine that someone just gave me for my birthday and I seriously don't know what I'm gonna do with it because I don't drink alone I'm probably gonna bring it to the office and make people drink it there or something so the fact that I was alone and I was seeking a drink was something strange already and you can hear my dog snoring hang on Do you hear that? It's pretty cute. Okay. And so I went to a bar. I think I went to Hank's. It's a dive bar. And I walked in and people were having a fun night. And the bartender who looked like this older version of Kristen Stewart was really pretty. Um, She was super chatty with everyone. They were talking about a game that just happened. And I think they were happy because their team won. And she was super chatty with everyone but not me. I feel like what I was feeling had a visible manifestation. Like maybe it was like I had a dark cloud hovering over me because that's how it's like she was chatty with everyone except me. Like she was like, one beer? Okay. Like that. Like, can I see your ID? Showed her my ID. She gave me my beer. Started talking to the other people. Just went back to me to just serve me another bottle of beer. I was just sitting in the bar quietly. And I didn't realize how late it had gotten until my grandma's sister-in-law, who I was staying with, um, texted at 1 a.m. And she was like, hey, are you on your way back? Because she knew that I hadn't packed yet and I was leaving the next morning. And so I said, yeah, I'm on my way back. And so I took an Uber back to their place in Santa Monica and packed my bags. I went. I arrived at their house. My grandma's brother had cooked this amazing meal for me. He made sea bass and it was really good and I ate it. And that was going to be my last meal for quite a while. Like my last full meal for a while. I spent the entire night watching YouTube videos and crying. Like videos of Adele and of Jennifer Lawrence. And then the next day at the airport... um, I kept watching YouTube videos and crying and then I slept the entire way on the plane and then I landed in Manila and I felt like an alien that had been plucked from somewhere and dropped somewhere completely strange like I did not come home like I was somewhere some other planet I would have dinner with friends but couldn't relate I was still doing my work. I was still functional. I would go to the office. But after that, I would collapse at home, like not even make it to bed and just collapse on the carpet and pass out. So exhausted from having to pretend that I was fine the entire time. It took a couple of weeks before it hit me that I, th- I knew the word for what I was going through. And I wasn't sure yet. And so the first thing I did was I picked up Ali Brosh's book, Hyperbole and a Half. I had read it, I think, the previous year and I loved it so much I couldn't stop laughing. But I know she's been praised so much for the comic strips that she had done about depression But those were actually the parts of the book that I enjoyed the least the first time I read it because I couldn't relate. This time when I read it again, I I turned to those pages and read them and it hit me. Shit, I'm reading about myself. This is me. Then I googled more depression comics and ended up on BuzzFeed and started reading comic after comic that depicted depression and found myself in practically every single one of them and that's when I realized I needed to get help now this is the thing I wish I can tell you that finding a shrink here in the Philippines is easy but it's not first I did my research and started googling and then I asked people on Facebook to recommend shrinks under the guise of research for a story that I was working on because at that point I wasn't ready to talk about it yet um I came up with a short list of doctors that were recommended by different people online and by people I knew and the first one on my list sounded really good but when I called her office I could hear her secretary or assistant just going through pages of her appointment book telling me she can see me in a month. And I remember thinking I am not going to survive a month feeling like this. And then the second shrink on my list when I called the office her when I called her clinic I was told, "Oh, you can this is her cell number, you can call her yourself." And I'm like, wow she gives out her cell number yeah she takes her own appointments and I like that and I texted her and she replied I think hours later or maybe the next morning and she called me and she said I'm sorry but I can see you I cannot see you until next week is it an emergency and there was just something about her voice the way she talked to me that i found really comforting and i said no no it's not an emergency i can see you next week and i instantly liked her and i know for some people finding a shrink is like dating that you have to kind of try different people before you settle on one but i got really lucky with mine i ended up loving her the first time that i saw her um I went to her the following week and the tattoo part is coming soon, I promise you. I went to her the following week and the thing was the night before I went to her, I I had a really bad panic attack. I'm going to talk about anxiety, I don't know if later or in another episode because I feel like this is going to be too long because I really want to get to the fun part, which is the tattoos but um, so I went to her and one of the first things that she said was I'm gonna need you to take a blood test now this is the thing I have an insane fear of needles like it's not even a joke I know almost every person in the world will tell you they hate needles but my Fear of needles is so immense, it's embarrassing. Case in point, in 2009, I got dengue fever. Welcome to the third world. I don't even know if it was real dengue fever or it was just almost dengue fever, but it was really bad. I was in the hospital for days and they had to take two blood tests a day. And before they can even get to that part, when they finally told me I had to be hospitalized because my white blood cells were dropping or something um i created a scene in the er because i did not want to be hooked up to an iv the nurse had to sit me down like i was three years old to tell me no you need an iv because i was like fine i'm gonna let you hospitalized me but no IV and she had to explain very patiently that no you need it you haven't been eating you need the fluids and the medicine and whatever and I was bawling like a freaking baby I threw a tantrum in the ER because that's how much I hate needles and my friends knew that it's kind of legendary my brother would actually film the blood tests and make fun of me because I couldn't even look at it I couldn't watch the blood tests and I had to have two blood tests a day one at 6 p.m one at 6 a.m and this is how scared I was of the blood tests after the 6 p.m blood test I wouldn't be able to sleep until the 6 a.m one was done that's how scared I was but this time in my shrink's office she told me I'm going to need you to take a blood test. And my reaction was, can I do it now? That's how numb I was. When when people say depressed, people who don't have any experience with it or haven't seen it happen, usually think of depression as somebody just wallowing in sadness and crying and just... It's a picture of sadness. My depression wasn't like that. It was more of a numbness. And in reality, at that point, I wished I was sad. I wished I could feel something because it was worse not feeling anything. The way I described it to people is, you know how Tom and Jerry, when Tom is the cat, right? When Tom is chasing Jerry, I hope I'm right. So when the cat is chasing the mouse, and the mouse hides inside the hole, and the cat sticks his hand inside the hole and tries to grab the mouse, and the mouse is just there within reach, but he couldn't grab it. That's how I was with my feelings. I just couldn't feel anything. It was there within reach. I knew because there, they were things that I used to feel. I just couldn't feel anything. So that's what depression was like for me. So when the doctor said, oh, you're going to have to take a blood test, I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, And it took a couple of days before I could actually take the blood test because I wasn't eating and I had to eat. Because if you fast too much, your blood sugar levels are not going to be reflective of what they really are. Correct me if I'm wrong. I have zero medical background. I failed science. And I I was really sucky at it. Um, so feel free to tell me if you have any corrections. Um, but yeah, so I had to just not eat for a certain number of hours and because I wasn't I was barely eating, it took a couple of days before I I was able to have the test done. And my blood test came back clear. There were no because sometimes there are issues with your body that may make it look like you are depressed or you have depressive symptoms but in reality they're caused by something else entirely like thyroid issues but I had none of those things. My blood tests were clear and so my doctor diagnosed me with clinical depression and anxiety disorder and it was a week before Christmas which is fantastic. Before going to the doctor I made a list of the symptoms that I had noticed about myself, the changes in me, what I was feeling. I didn't know it then, but I was acing the test for depression. Doctors use dsm 4 to diagnose mental disorders. It's a diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders. A book by the American Psychiatric Association. And the book lists nine symptoms for people with depression. I had eight of them. And you only need five of them to be diagnosed with clinical depression. If you've been experiencing five of these nine symptoms for more than two weeks, mm, you will be diagnosed with clinical depression. I'm going to read them to you quickly. Depressed mood or irritable most of the day, nearly every day, as indicated by either subjective report or observation made by others. Decreased interest or pleasure in most activities, most of each day. Significant weight change, 5% of the body weight or change in appetite. Change in sleep, either you're sleeping too much or too little. Change in activity, fatigue or loss of energy, guilt and worthlessness. Um, diminished ability to concentrate or think or more indecisiveness. And suicidality or thoughts of death and suicide or has suicide plan. We're going to talk about these criteria more in later episodes for sure. We're going to go through all of them, I promise you. Um, so yeah, so a state of them. I'm going to go into detail in future episodes because I'm sure you're wondering, when the hell are we going to get to the tattoos? And we are getting there, I promise you. So this is what happened. I finally got diagnosed. I'm going to try to go through this quickly because I feel like we have we're going to have the chance to go through the rest of the story slowly. That let it unfold over the coming weeks. But so, what happened was my doctor prescribed medication and gave me anti anxiety pills. I was on Rivotrill for a while and Cymbalta. I will talk about meds because this podcast isn't called Pills and Needles for Nothing. We're going to talk about medication a lot too in the future. But yeah, so she put me on meds a week before Christmas and asked me if I was going to be okay surviving the holidays without alcohol. And I laughed and said, Doc, I'm not an alcoholic. But I started bugging her weeks later if I can have just one beer. It took her a while before she said yes. But anyway, the silver lining of this entire thing, when I realized that I wasn't scared of needles anymore because I was suddenly so numb that I did not care. When I told a friend, my friend Jason, when I texted him and said, so the doctor's asking me to take a blood test, and I said, can I do it now? And he's like, oh my God, you're really sick. That's how my friends knew I was sick when the doctor said, you need to take a blood test. And my reaction was, can I do it now? So that's how you know that there were really major changes in my life. But the silver lining of it, my instant thought was, oh, my God, now I can get tattoos. And so what happened was, I think around two months later in February, um, I wanted to celebrate surviving it. Because I felt like two months after I started treatment, I was on meds. We were doing talk therapy. I was going to my shrink regularly i was taking my meds like i was told to um it felt good it felt good to already have the solution to the problem before telling my family about it it felt good to take charge like i have people asking how did you know you needed to go to a doctor how did you do it without having anyone take you to the doctor i just knew it and and in some ways you know depression tried to defeat me and tried to keep me in bed but I refused to let it keep me down I started running I started becoming more active I was swimming pretty regularly but then the tattoo started so the swimming had to stop and so it was just it 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 felt like a triumphant thing this battle against depression and I wanted to celebrate it by getting my first tattoo and All I wanted was a tiny tattoo, I swear. I wanted a little 2.0 on my wrist. I actually wanted it on my pulse, but I was dissuaded because apparently that area fades really fast. And so I just have it on my left wrist. So I asked my friend Tatin to who's gotten small tattoos before and who goes to this great female tattoo artist ui laksamana who's amazing um so she made the appointment for me and we were gonna get tattoos together she was gonna get a tattoo of a paw print because she loves dogs and i was gonna get my little 2.0 and it was funny i had a battle plan like because it was gonna be my first time you know and i was terrified and excited and i was like i'm gonna bring a book and i have a playlist with me I'm planning all this for a tattoo that's not even half an inch big. It's so tiny. And when Ouija saw me holding a book, she was like, you're not even going to be able to open the book. Like, it's going to be that fast. And the funny thing was, it really was so fast that before I even had that done, I thought, I think I'm going to get a second tattoo right now. And so I ended up going home with two tattoos that very first day, uh, 2.0 on my left wrist to celebrate this new version of me, the one who was no longer afraid of needles, who was facing depression but was battling it and was beating it. And it was a new version of myself, like in so many ways. And then I got to celebrate my love for words and writing. Words have been my life. I got a little typewriter on my right inner arm and so those were my first two tattoos and I went home with them and it was funny because my brother expected world war three to break out in our house because my mother freaked out when he got his tattoo so he expected her to freak out when I got mine, but she was like, oh, but they're small. And then I said, well, they're small because I want a lot of them. And so, yeah, eventually World War Three did break out. But that's another story for another episode. And so there, that's how my depression and tattoo journey started. I think this is long enough. I don't want to bore you. And my dog snoring is getting louder. Can you hear that? Yep. That's my snoring dog. And so I'm going to end this right now. Again, if you have any stories that you want to share, if you have questions about mental health, about going to a shrink, about medication, about getting tattooed, about healing your tattoos, and anything you want to ask, how painful are they? These are the questions. What are you going to do when you're old? Don't ask me that because I'm going to have my tattoos when I'm old. It's not like I'm going to peel my skin off. But anything you want to say, just email me at pillsandneedlespodcast at gmail.com I'm still figuring out the format of this show but I hope that you enjoyed it and I hope you will continue listening I'm gonna have more interesting episodes the more people I bring into this maybe even have a co-host you never know let's figure it out just stick with me and we have a lot of stories to talk about thanks for listening and I hope to hear from you (音楽) Music